0: Back at it again. In ancient Greece, there was a man called Hippocrates, and Hippocrates is now referred to as the father father of medicine. He was one of the main flashpoints, so to speak, of medical knowledge and medical history, and to this day... As far as I know, doctors are sworn to take the Hippocratic Oath when they become actual doctors. One of his quotes, and I'm gonna do a rough paraphrase of it, sums up like this. Food is medicine. Food is medicine. Those are three simple words and yet those have gone completely by the wayside in the past couple of decades. Most people in modernity, especially in the West, uh, follow what 's called the western diet you know and if you 've seen the the little food pyramid on the back of your back of your loaf of bread in the grocery store, you probably know what it is you know majority of its grains, small portion of um, fruits and vegetables, small portion of other things as well as an overall whole though the diet mentality of sorts tends to end up becoming this high-carb, low-fat diet, this kale and oat bran mode of living, or mode of eating, rather. Um, Mainstream thinking sees fats and cholesterol and things like that as the enemy. And I'm going to point out an interesting example from the past couple of decades. 20 years ago, they used to say that egg yolks, the yellow part of the egg, were bad for you. It would lead to clogged arteries, high cholesterol, fats were bad, etc., etc., so on and so forth. And about a decade ago, they started to reverse that. They started to say, um, egg yolks are good for you after all, good source of protein, omega-3s, or whatever the new catchphrase was, on and on and on. What if I told you that the food pyramid, and the majority of what we know as American nutritional policy, was developed in the Lyndon Johnson administration as a way to basically ease imports. And to ease imports into the country, and to uh, find ways to make basic foodstuffs expendable, more expensive, things like that. You notice, even within what we have now, we no longer have actual real sugar. And sugar policy has been talked about before with regards to the United States and the way it deals with sugar and how it pays out for sugar imports and things like that. That's a whole different topic, and I could talk about that on another another, um, podcast. But right now I'm talking about the ripple effects of that specific policy. So, Johnson administration then later on in the Nixon administration, on and on and on. And it became this sort of high-grain, high-fructose corn syrup lifestyle. And you notice it's in every single thing we, we eat nowadays. It's in every single thing we eat nowadays. Fat has become the enemy, high cholesterol has become the enemy. Um people look around and see the obesity in this country, and in the Western world, and your first thought was, oh yeah, you know, of course fats are bad, you know, people are fat. Well, that's, that's about as simplistic and as wrong an answer as you'll have for that. The real reason why people are fat is because the food they are supposedly they're consuming is not food. All the junk food, all the pastries, all the cakes, it is not real food. It's not an act... the cakes that they eat aren't actual real whole cakes. It's a combination of heavily processed sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and whatever chemical nonsense they've cooked up in the laboratory nowadays. That's the tricky part. There's an entire field of science right now as we speak devoted to modifying the genetics of food, to modifying the way we taste, the way we smell food. I used to think this was just a side effect of, uh, of modernity and of everything else, but then I recognized more and more as time went on that it was all planned. It was planned so corporations could make a couple of bucks. It's planned, so... to genetically modify it think about it, whenever they talk about vaccination programs for third-world countries, or whenever they tell Europeans and the West to stop having extra children because of overpopulation, the Malthusian theory, they're not doing it out of a sense of nobility. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're doing it because they want control. They want to control the way you eat, the way you live, how you operate in life. And don't get me wrong, in our chaotic world, order is much needed. But the kind of order that they're promoting and preserving via their food policy, via their globalist mentality, and it is all globalism, don't get me started, don't get me wrong on that. Everything we have is connected to modernity. Walk down in any poor neighborhood, doesn't matter what color they happen to be, walk down in any poor neighborhood, walk past the convenience store, what's the first thing you see advertised on the side of it? Sodas, chips, candy, cake, things like that, all the, all the junk food, you know, whenever you see Whenever you see actual genuine home cooking, real authentic home cooking, it tends to be the older generation. The ones who grew up with their grandparents or parents cooking for them and making real food and, you know, learning how to preserve that which they cooked, learning how to budget well with real food. Or in some countries, you'd go to the actual butcher to get actual meat. You'd go to the you know, the baker to get actual bread, and things like that. Not anymore. In our processed modern world, our heavily globalized, heavily sanitized life, we no longer have that anymore. The good thing about drawing parallels is you can start drawing parallels to everything else, you know? Everything is getting encroached upon, every old tradition that worked and that did well for us is getting encroached upon. Now some of you are wondering, what what is he rambling on about with tradition and globalism? When it comes to food, the real tradition about food was that fats were and are necessary for human brains to evolve, namely the fats found in animal proteins. Your meat, your chicken, your liver, your actual fish, your eggs, um, your fresh dairy, raw milk, Those are what you need. You need a low-carb, high-fat diet. Because, don't get me wrong, ancient civilizations did have carbs. They did have grains, but in relatively small amounts. The majority of what they ate, most of them, obviously it would vary based on the region and what crops were around and so on and so forth, but the majority of them in some way, shape, or form, whether it was fish, whether it was um, cattle, whether it was pork, uh, they would have the majority of it would be fat and animal proteins. There's a reason why you would learn to hunt. You would learn the spear, you would learn swords. There's a reason there was hunting parties. There's a reason for everything that our ancestors did. Because you needed the animal fats and the proteins to heal your brain. There's a movement called ancestral eating, or paleo, or low-carb, high-fat, things along those lines. And that's where we'll find part of the answers. I first learned about this sort of thing via a movie called Fathead. And if you're looking to watch it, you can watch it for free on Tubi or on YouTube, a couple of sites like that. Basically, it started out as this answer to Morgan Spurlock's nonsensical documentary called Supersize Me. The guy behind Fathead, unfortunately his name escapes me right now, made it as a response, as an answer to Spurlock's nonsense that he went and ate McDonald's, you know, all for on and on and on, day after day after day. And... basically the guy took every single point Spurlock made and refuted it again and again and again and again. But of course, with anything that shakes up the mainstream narrative, all you hear is crickets. You know, little known, little heard of, little publicized. Yet I would argue that that documentary, Fathead, was sort of the catalyst, was sort of the start of this ancestral eating movement that's starting to gain traction more and more and more. You notice the mainstream is gonna be the first to say that the diets that our ancestors ate are fringe. And they're gonna pull out 15 scientific studies saying how a high-carb, low-fat diet is somehow better. How destroying the fat out of yogurt, which yogurt is supposed to have fat given it's a dairy product, uh, is somehow a good thing. You notice this is all planned. Just like the rise in the medicating of our, our youth, of the past three generations that have been medicated again and again and again for what is now known to be subjective illnesses, for what is now known to be merely theoretical. Now, with chemical imbalances, obviously there are chemical imbalances in the brain but nobody ever stops to ask why. It doesn't just happen out of the blue one day, there are causes, there are um, things to watch out for. And a lot of it has to do with diet. A lot of it has to do with inflammation. A lot of it has to do with the mindset that one has. If one is continuously pessimistic, then life will remain pessimistic. Diet plays a huge role. Going back to Hippocrates, food is medicine. Diet plays a huge role in healing, in strength, in becoming the best version of you you can be. And yet too often people mindlessly scarf down whatever junk food or whatever, you know, kale and oatmeal-flavored smoothie of the week that the media portrays it to be. Every half-baked celebrity, um, diet is lavishly followed, and the things that are actually necessary are called fringe, or weird, or strange. Meanwhile, celebrities are getting foreskin facials and nobody bats an eye. So where do we go from here? Well, my good friend on Instagram, The Holistic Psychologist, is a great page to start if you're on there. The movie Fathead is on this free website of movies called 2BTV, T U B I. It's another good place to start. The Paleo Diet is also a great place to start. Um, you can look and see if that'll be right for you. Granted, every body is different. Everybody will adjust and adapt differently. Some people will be able to go on an all carnivore diet. Some people will be able to do a paleo diet. Some people will be able to just, you know, reduce their carbs enough to where it won't make a difference in their body chemistry. Just think about it. We've had chemistry and biology and psychology as separate disciplines. We've had the mind and body as separate elements. But in reality, it's meant to be fused together. That which you put in your mind will affect your body, and that which you put in your body will affect your mind. They're coming out with the theory that depression is due to inflammation. The inflammation within the body. And I've, I can testify to that. Um, And I can testify that the eating habits I currently have aren't always the best. And while it is true that this is mainly aimed at the poor, um, this this high-carb, low-fat diet, um, it's too easy of a cop-out. It is true that Eating healthy or eating in the way that you want is expensive, but... Once you start budgeting and piecing together your little purchases that you make every single day or every single week, you find that you can save up money, you know? It's all these miscellaneous, uh, miscellaneous charges that end up adding up. It's death by a thousand cuts. If you can scrape the shavings together, of your extra money, you'll be able to eat decently. It's just gonna take discipline, personal responsibility, and a hard accounting of yourself. good way to start is to sit down and write what exactly you eat every day. What exactly do you have? What exactly um, do you spend your excess money on? You know, what do you eat on a daily basis? How do you want to change your body? Do you want to gain weight, lose weight, uh, gain muscle, um, feel more energetic, uh, just feel better all around? Again, check out those two links that I told you, um, and work from there. I'll do the same, and I'll be around.